Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. I already know how Brandon's doing, so I'm not going to make him go through that um, painful explanation. And just kind of going to start with what we're going to talk about today. We're going to really take a deep dive on some of these playoff rosters. We're going to start with the Yankees because there is by far the most to get through with this. I don't even know how to call it a roster. I'll call it a collection of players that the Yankees have assembled. Brandon, I will let you take the floor. Where would you like to start? Well, I think the biggest talking point here, um, LJ Aaron Judge did make the roster. um, Yes, that's where I was going to suggest. Let's start with who made it. Aaron Judge did make it, um, and 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 a Garrett Cole and a Nestor Cortez did make it. Um, past that though, we're we're in some 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 deep water. Um, so basically, the Yankees, after talking up Andrew Benintendi and saying that oh he's fine, we're gonna show pictures of him at batting practice. You know, he's working out with the team. He must still be hurt. Um, And then also, he's not on the roster. And then in typical Yankees fashion, they just also drop, you know, oh, yeah, Scott Efros, you know, one of the most consistent relievers on your team in the second half. Um, He he needs Tommy John now. Um, You know, just we're going to drop that along with the playoff roster announcement because, I mean, that's just how the Yankees work. Just trying to, it's the classic uh, po- political stunt dropping news in bunches so the wor- yeah. worst part doesn't get noticed. Well, this roster has Aaron Hicks, Marwin Gonzalez, and Tim LoCastro on it and does not have uh, DJ LeMahieu, Andrew Benintendi, or Oswald Peraza. Um, a total of $50 million in payroll is not on this roster. And I just want to pull up what the Pittsburgh Pirates payroll is because I have a feeling I'm actually scared to see what this is. Okay. 
The Pirates payroll is $59 million, and the Yankees have $50 million in payroll not on the roster, as Frankie Montas also did not make it. So out of the five players we acquired at the trade deadline, which is Harrison Bader, Andrew Benintendi, Scott F. Ross, Frankie Montas, and Lou Trevino, two of the five have made this playoff roster. I am just, I think the most shocked about Aaron Hicks and Marlon Gonzalez both making the playoff roster. I mean, I understand you need one of them on there for whatever reason, whether it's a fourth outfielder or more of like a utility guy. But for them both to take up 26-man roster spots is is quite baffling. And I understand Tim LaCastro making it because – you always need that pinch runner type guy. I mean, the Mets were carrying a Terrence score, so I get that. But uh, if you have the Castro, there's your fourth outfielder when it when you need a defensive sub. Why do you also need Marwin and Aaron Hicks? And there's no DJ LeMahieu. Like, what did DJ LeMahieu do wrong? Sure, if he's this hurt, then just put him on the IL. Um, it is the playoff. Yeah, here's here's where I'm gonna start with. It is the playoffs. Unless you are physically unable to walk out on the field, you are not too hurt to play. That is the way it should work. Um, if the if it's ninety a, if, million dollar extension just sitting on the just like if, not even on the team. If it's the player saying it, there is a problem with the player. the The team it shouldn't be a question. The team shouldn't be purposely holding a guy out. And you look at DJ LeMake, you look at his track record. This is an absolute. He he is a gamer. I mean, we've we've seen him. He's not the guy to shy away from playing through stuff. So this is probably more a team choice. Either way, no matter what angle you look at it, he's a significantly better performer than you're ever getting out of Marwin. And the only purpose I could find for Marwin Gonzalez on this roster was a backup at first base. If, heaven forbid, you ended up losing Anthony Rizzo, having someone who can play the position. Marwin Gonzalez is the only guy who fits that bill here. DJ LeMahieu could have easily fit that bill. And, you know, all around is a better producer. Defensively, a better producer. Even hurt, I would say. So you're right. This this seems weird. The Benintendi stuff, if this guy's capable of taking BP, he's capable of playing in the postseason. Like, that's not to say I'm expecting him to bat 350 i'm not expecting that out of either of the guys but our being there is enough it means enough um it's just all of that is just so it's so frustrating to watch this group again waste money waste resources you talk about the money that's one thing because that's yours Ultimately, it's not going to put you back that much because you'll you would have found a way to invest that money anyways. I don't care about the money. What I'm more looking at is the fact that one player from your deadline acquisitions, Lou Trevino, is on this roster. And Harrison Bader. Oh, excuse me, Harris. Again, what is why is Harrison Bader here necessarily? Because he's actually good. It. I haven't actually looked at his numbers since he got back. Because he's actually good? Yeah, he's actually been playing, like, very good in the field, at least. 
You mm. can move Judge to right and you can, you can move Judge in right and Harrison Bader in center is a, is our probably our best defensive lineup. Yes, but it's not just about that when it comes to this. You actually, especially against, especially in this situation where you are going into if this this DS roster is a precursor to what we'd probably see in the CS roster if they made it. If the Yankees were to win the World Series. It is probably going to be the toughest run for pitching that they have ever had to see in a postseason. Because the more you think about it, and I really, this makes too much sense because they're going to have to face Cleveland, which we've said enough about their rotation and their bullpen, is a situation where, you know, they'll be fighting. If they can get three runs a game, they can win. But that's also going to be a challenge. You go then from there to Houston which we we both know isn't going to be fun. And then you have to play LA or you have to play Atlanta. And either of those matchups, neither of them are favorable from an offensive standpoint. You're going to need, you know, run production until at least the eighth, maybe the ninth inning. So you're talking about bringing a guy onto this roster to serve maybe four innings of work. Ultimately, I'm just, I'm not, I understand him, but there there are other guys that I think would be of more value. There are, you know, pitchers adding a little bit more depth to this bullpen that I think would be of more value because ultimately, I know they've been doing the whole half game thing where Judge starts in center and ends up moving over to right. I, I think realistically for them to have a shot in the DS for them to be successful in the DS, he's going to have to play a minimum of 24 innings in center, Judge Will, at minimum, for this team to be successful. So the impact is going to be sparing for a guy like that, whereas adding another arm into this bullpen might have a better shot with all of that. That was my big takeaway. You know, it's like... This Scott Efros news is just brutal. I mean, this is a guy that we traded for and has like years and years of control. Probably won't pitch at all next year. Um, And it just sucks. I mean, the amount of guys we've had go down due to injury in our bullpen. And I don't want to be the guy that's complaining about injuries, but you, you know, you're talking about. Chad Green goes down with Tommy John earlier. Michael King fractures his elbow in um, late July. Ron Marinaccio goes down a few weeks ago. Thank God Wandy Peralta is back on this on this playoff roster. Um, you know, Zach Britton, he comes back, throws a few games for us, and then he goes down. It's very thin what we're working with in this bullpen right now. Um, glad to see Clay Holmes make the roster, but... We need Domingo Herman to step up really big here in this postseason. Um, he's going to have to be this swingman type of guy um, who, you know, it's, 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 it's Garrett Cole versus Cal Quantrill tonight. And I like the way that they, at least it helps us the way they scheduled these first three games where it's we play off day, play off day, and then play Saturday, potentially Sunday, potentially Monday. Um, it's just brutal, LJ. This is 
quite possibly the worst news was that, uh, like, other than Aaron Judge or, you know, Rizzo or a Nestor getting hurt, like, to hear that F. Ross is the guy that goes down in our bullpen really, really hurts. Yeah, it's a low blow. But actually, I realized I never actually finished up my point from before. I'm fine with the $50 million being off this group, but this is now at least two straight years where it feels like deadline capital moved at the deadline has been completely wasted. Starts at the Joey Gallo, then you use all that capital to get rid of Joey Gallo and then and replace Joey Gallo, and then that doesn't even end up having a true impact on your postseason stretch. At That's least not yet. Right, like you'd have to assume if we make the CS, Ben Intendi's healthy. If he was facing live pitching two days ago, if he was facing like, live pitching two days ago, he should have been on this roster. I don't put anything past this Yankees group at this point because no, we're once again watching the exact reason, if any, that Judge would walk away from this team other than the money. It, the only reason he would possibly walk away from New York, unless they decided not to give a competitive contract offer, which I don't see that happening, is because he wants to win. And he has watched for the last six years this team consist- consistently get way too cute with what they try to do. They consistently go and try to make the, you know, the smart brainy play and they overthink these rosters time and time again. It feels weird. Maybe it's just because, you know, maybe Yankees fans are pickier than other fans, but it feels like the Yankees are the only ones we are consistently talking about in the context of tiny, ridiculous roster moves being major impact pieces. Like, there's plenty of mismanaged organizations out there, but most of them are big things. Like, they're easy, clear fixes you can point to a major happening, and that's why they haven't been successful. For the Yankees, it's these tiny paper cuts that they just keep dying by year after year. And at some point, you have to see that that, that culture isn't going to go away. And if that's, what's keep, if that's what's holding you back, that's what's holding you back. That said, we should still be winning this series with the three pitchers that we're throwing. You know, Cole, Cortez, Sevy have all been lights out lately. Um, with, that, with that being said, though, the playoffs is a new front. No, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it needs to be restated, and this isn't me trying to hate on him. But this is a monumental game tonight for Derek Cole. It is. Monumental, because I think at this point, if he doesn't show up in this postseason, and I mean show up consistently, if he has – moderate success the contract's worth has already been decided especially with the numbers and the inconsistencies you put up this year it's it hasn't been he has not lived up to the contract he hasn't lived up to it this year i'm not saying he didn't have a good year because you know 100 right 257 strikeouts is ridiculous regardless of the 350 but what does the 350 tell you it shows there have been inconsistencies just like there were last year and it ultimately if he doesn't show up in the postseason why did you pay him is what it really comes down to and i think at this point he's had plenty of opportunities he needs to show up he needs step up put up time for him 
it's also a step up time for Luis Severino because this is the first time we're really seeing him get back into a starting role where he isn't having the ace expectations put on him. I think his true quality as a pitcher will be put on display here this week because now all of a sudden you're looking at this under the through the eyes of a two or a three instead of a one that's a very different mentality for a player to be operating under so he's either going to be successful or he's not and I can't keep making the excuse that oh he's just not cut out to be a one if he doesn't perform this week as a three So ultimately, both of those guys, I think, have the most pressure put on them in this series. And if anything, yeah, that's another reason, another reason to cut back on the bench depth for this series, because I've always never, I've never fully agreed with having this vast a group of um, position players. It feels like there's a million position players on postseason rosters year after year. I don't agree with you need more depth in this bullpen, whether even if it's not your best guys. Because the two guys who have the most riding on them this year, the most pressure, the most stakes, are two of your starters. And with a bullpen like this, you need all three of your, at least your first three starters, to go deep, to show up. And you're now adding that extra, you're adding extra weight to a group that already clearly has pressure on them. That's not going to set them up for success. Well, LJ, there was a key injury that left the Phillies short a reliever on their playoff roster. Their game against the Braves starts in about an hour and a half. David Robertson left off the Phillies NLDS roster due to hurting himself while celebrating um, celebrating uh, Bryce Harper's home run in game two of the wild card round. They replaced him with Yankees legend Nick Nelson, who I watched pitch in a triple-A game in 2021, and he took the loss in that game um, and will now be playing in an NLDS, so fun. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going Ranger Suarez, Wheeler, Aaron Nola. That's going to be their three starters to at least for these first three games. Um LJ, thoughts on uh, David Robertson having a, a Devin Williams-esque injury here? I am going to – I knew you are going to bring that up. I fully disagree with that comparison. It's night and day, and I can't blame him a darn bit. Because, you know, you're celebrating, you're with your team. That's a, that's a big moment. You can't expect this guy not to celebrate a major home run in a wild card round. This is your team's first time back in the playoffs. Like, there was so much riding and so – emotions so high on that there's a big difference between those two situations because those that's just a fluke injury like he could have been he could have been running back out from the bullpen at the end of the game and done something you know pulled his back pulled his quad that type of stuff can happen really at any time it's just unlucky what Devin Williams did was him going getting out of control going too far he cost himself the time and he cost it in his team the time you know you can't real i i struggle to blame a guy for such a fluke injury in a situation that happens all the time i'm certainly not going to expect him i'm not going to ask the relievers are you can't show any emotion 
for your team because otherwise you might get hurt. Heaven forbid. Also, if he was that prone, like muscle wise, if he was in a situation of risk, you don't always know that, but that could have easily happened the next time he pitched too. So if anything, it's better to get him off the roster so you can have him on long term because otherwise, you know, he gets hurt. He pitches game one, gets hurt. You either have to play the rest of the series down a man or you put him on the uh, playoff IL and he would miss a CS if he made it. So it's a better situation to leave him off now than have to deal with that extra issue, I think, in their case. Either way, I'm not sure how I feel about this for this team. It's been a good run. It's, it's been a, a big loss. Run. It's, it's a, a huge loss. loss. But either way, I mean, how much are we possibly going to see out of this group? Because this was a bullpen that did get used quite a bit in the wild card. You know, you got the weird game, which honestly, the one thing I wasn't expecting was Zach Wheeler going out after five innings in that first game. This is a guy who usually is able to be efficient enough, 34 walks on the year. He's efficient enough to keep himself um, out on the fields continually and be able to get you through seven. So that was what I was kind of counting on in game one. And then it didn't happen that through, I think, probably everything for a loop. But Ranger Suarez, I have a feeling he's going to get eaten alive tonight. And that's not to say he's not a pitcher of quality because I've already spoken plenty on this show to the quality. I think Ranger Suarez is a good pitcher. But going into the first round of a DS, coming off the high of advancing in the postseason for the first time with this core, this is still also a team that's learning to win. The Braves already know what that is. So I I see a world, Ranger Suarez gets eaten alive tonight. That could send them to the bullpen early. If Zach Wheeler doesn't bring his best stuff, that causes more trouble now too. And I, I, could, I could definitely see a world where they don't take a game at Truist and we end up with Aaron Nola pitching for the Phillies' life. As entertaining and as, you know, true to the team as that would be that's not a comfortable spot to be well lj we might as well stick with the phillies and touch on um something that we weren't able to get to yesterday they extend rob thompson an extra two years they drop the interim tag uh two-year extension covering the 2023-2024 season um, you know, opened as the bench coach. They started off 22 and 29. Um, takes over as the interim, leads them to the playoffs 65 and 46 um, under him. Just uh, overall good move. I really don't have much insight other than like this is the right thing to, to do. I don't think there's nearly as much talking point with this one as there was them dropping the interim tag for Phil Nevin. No, there isn't. It's it. It's simply, I think the talking point is what did he do that was so successful? He changed a culture that was clearly the issue for Philly. Like, you can't look at the mental aspect of the game without blaming the coach To an, for mo- in most cases, especially when you see it be so consistent and so prolonged, where this team was either just riding really high or really, really low. That's how they'd been through the entire Girardi era. And you have a guy come in and 
it felt almost immediate. I mean, what did they go eight and two, eight and two after they uh, in their first ten after Girardi? It was something crazy, yeah. It was it was a really good stretch that they went on, and I'm like, I want to see this. You know, I want to see them not fall off after this because they've done this with Girardi plenty of times, and then they didn't keep up that pace. That would be a Braves esque pace, but what they did do was they leveled out. And they played good baseball throughout the rest of the year. And that's all you needed to see. This was a below 500 team that they were able to push well above 500 and into the postseason. That's amazing. Not only that, but there's extra steps involved to do what they did. Not only did he have to change the culture and get them consistent, they also had to learn to win. Because as we discussed, Kyle Schwarber is the only player on this, unless you can think of somebody else that I'm missing or missed last time, Kyle Schwarber is the only player on this team with a World Series ring. Other than uh, David Robertson, yeah. So he's not on, yeah, he's not on this roster, yes. Oh my gosh, David Robertson. So, yeah, so either way, two guys, that's not good. No. And the rest of them have very limited postseason history and next to no postseason success, especially the big guys. Among their big players, their stars, Bryce Harper's the only one who'd been before now. So I look at this as a team that didn't didn't know how to win. That's something that has to be taught. And I can't say that there weren't a few bumps up down the road with that whole race between them and Milwaukee, but they were able to get it done and they were able to continue that momentum and show up in the moment when the pressure was biggest against a division winning team. All of that comes down to figuring out and building a team mentality. That's what the manager is there for. Well, LJ, um, we did, we didn't get to um, the Spencer Strider extension, which, you know, I've seen a lot of talk about this. However, this is really like, yeah, it's big, but, it's six years, $75 million with a $22 million club option for the 2029 season. All this does is buy out his first, his two pre-arb years, his three arb years, and then his first free agent season. So in terms of control, they, they just gained one year and pay now. They only gained one year, but what this does do, I also said this, everyone's excited and they're rightfully excited. I was a little disappointed it wasn't longer as well, but this is the most I could see happening. Not because Spencer Strider wouldn't take it, but if I were the Braves, I would struggle to put that type of commitment in. Because he's only thrown 130 innings. Like yeah. it's not just that he hasn't he's thrown 130 innings because this guy is plenty good enough. Like we can we can see that the talent is there. I don't see him falling off a cliff. Like in year one for Ian Anderson, he looked really good. He looked really promising, but he didn't look like a rookie of the year type. He wasn't a Cy Young contender his rookie year. There was building. There was a buildup for it. And ultimately, I do, again, think he will be back and he will be successful. But at this point, they would be wasting money if they had extended him in a situation like that. So the talent's there, but there's so many outside factors with pitchers that Ultimately, I look less to him not pitching well and more to a situation like Mike Soroka. 
where, you know, he could easily get hurt tomorrow and not be the same. And all of a sudden you have to deal with him in 10 years of his contract. That, that would be a problem. Instead, what do they do? They give him this extension. They give him money, money well earned so far going into the future. And now they get, get an extra year of team control based on the way the market is inflating. The arbitration numbers are inflating with how good he's been two years down the line. He's probably going to make one, one of, if not the biggest pitcher first year arb there is like, I could definitely see that being a scenario. So they bought out that and those next two years are only going to get bigger. So this is a guy they could see was going to be a massive problem for arbitration. And instead they have him on, what is it? $12 million, $11 million a year. Um, yes. Really, really nice deal. That, so you're saving everyone's money. like, everyone's like, oh, you know, the Braves must be cheating with how all these cheap contracts that they're able to get. It's like, no, it's like they're. It's probably a little cheaper than arbitration, but also you run the risk of if he gets hurt, you're stuck with the contract. Like that's what people have to realize with what the Braves are doing. They're taking a massive risk, but they'd rather risk it on their own guys than go and spend it in free agency. Yeah, and that's 100% smart when you're able to develop players the way that they have. The other thing that this does, you put a little money in his pocket right now, and I don't consider these to be hometown discounts. It's different than Xander Bogarts going into 2019 and being on the last year of his six arbitration years getting that extension and taking a little bit less to stay with the group. This is beneficial to the guys because they get financial security at a time in their life where they don't have that on a league minimum because that's that's their alternative option. They get that extra cash in their pocket. They get a deal that's good for them that they're happy with. That's going to give a little bit more goodwill towards the team without them having to do that much. Like, the manager can still be good to him and they can still continue to build this relationship over the next seven years so that it's a little easier to retain him when this contract is up. And maybe for a little less than you would have had to pay had you waited out his six years and not built this good relationship. Um, LJ, was there any other topics that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we are pretty well set for today. This has been a good productive episode absolutely thank you for listening check us out instagram twitter tiktok mlb daily pod let's go yankees tonight and um we'll see you tomorrow see you manana